You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We'll take a glass together. And we will lift it to the good life. And as we're lifting it, we will most sincerely say, We'll take a glass together. This is Equity One, Broadway's happy hour. Pour yourself a drink and join us as we chat about life, theater, and, and everything in between. I'm Elliot Maddox. And I'm Caleb Dickey. Join us for your Equity One. Cheers! Cheers. Hi, Caleb. Hey, Elliot. Lovely to see you today. So nice to see you today. Recording the pod. What's uh-huh. that? <laughs> been a minute i'm already <laughs> coughing from surprise <laughs> <laughs> um welcome to this week's episode of equity one broadway's happy hour uh where we sit and chat with some of your favorite favorite uh people about town yes in the uh theater arts community uh we are so excited to bring on our, our guests today one of new york city's premier drag queen entertainers politicians uh, Marty Gould Cummings is with us today. Hi, Marty. Beep, beep, beep. Okay, hey, what's up? <laughs> you bring your own uh, sound horn with you. That's everywhere. Great. <laughs> everywhere I go. I have the app on my phone too. I oh, yeah. oh my god, you guys still have it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't find it. Uh, <laughs> but hi. Good morning, Hi. afternoon, Hi. evening. What what are we telling the viewers this is or the listeners? Oh, they know that they know that we will get a, gather around for a cocktail or a cup of coffee whenever. Yes. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, listeners. Thank you for <laughs> what is English time judges. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean they. Our listeners know that we are nothing if not chaotic. So <laughs> same. <laughs> How are same. you? How are you today on this day? On this day, uh-huh. I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm chill. Uh, you know, anxious for, you know, the next two weeks. To see yeah, 15 days on yeah, the day yeah. of recording. Until I just clocked that this day. morning. I was like, okay, we have two weeks. Like, we, it, a lot can happen in two weeks. So we got to, like, so stay much. vigilant, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But for all of the New York listeners, they should know that early voting begins October 24th mm-hmm. and your polling location for early voting might be different than your regular voting location. So go to vote.nyc to find out where to vote 
early. And make sure you vote early so you avoid long lines and chaos. I love voting early. I always vote early. As soon as whenever New York started, I was like, oh, great, I'm going to do this. And I was obsessed. So easy. So easy. Yeah. And it's so good that New York adopted voting early um, into our process because it helps um, more people be able to vote because they don't have to like depend on getting off work one day or, you know. Well, voting should be a holiday. The actual, oh, day, yes. uh, it should be a holiday. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that it's not, but a lot of companies are giving people the day off this year to do it. That's amazing. Yes. I've never voted early and I got my card and they're like, here's your poll. It's a different place. So I'm like, I'm ready to go this Saturday or Sunday between, uh, I think it's like 10 and four and I'm going to do it this weekend. So same girl. I can't wait. I'm going to go on Monday. I'm going to like let the weekend kind of like do its thing. And then because I don't have work, I'm going to go Monday. Um, But I'm so excited to vote. Yes. And you you have to vote, girl, because we want you to get back to work. And right now, our government is not helping the arts. And we need to get on the good foot and save our stages. Okay? Exactly. (laughs) There's a picture going around on the internet of a production of Mary Poppins in New Zealand. And they were like, we're holding the light on for you guys everywhere else around in the world. I'm like, New Zealand has a full audience, no masks, because they controlled the virus. It's like... Oh, they have no masks. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I zoomed in on the picture and there wasn't any masks. So I was like, wow. Like That's interesting. Yeah. I have saw, you seen uh, it? No, I saw Jerry Mitchell posted something recently of a South Korean production of uh, Kinky Boots. And it was a packed theater, but they were all wearing masks. And it was kind of that same thing about like, you know, we're sending the theater community love, like, you know, whatever. And I, I was like, all it takes is just wearing them. It's so, it's just a piece of fabric. I'll uh, just put it on your fucking face. Oh, can I curse on this? Do children? Yes, oh, please. Yes. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I always get so nervous on my podcast, like cursing, because I have a lot of Drag Race girls on, and like all their fans are kids. And I'm like, I don't want to be a bad role model. Uh, but fuck it. The kids are, this is a grown yeah. up podcast. You're <laughs> drag queens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's so simple. Just wear a goddamn mask. It's like, I yeah. Oh my god. I okay. I'm not. I don't like to yell at people. I think I'm. I'm like a nice queen. However, (laughs) I was on 46th Street the other day because my drag daughter was doing a socially distanced outdoor show at Don't Tell Mama, which I'm doing this Saturday as well. If this podcast doesn't be for them, please come to the show. Uh, Yeah, yeah, well, come on Saturday night, 7 p.m. at Don't Tell Mama, free show, make a reservation, can't wait, my first New York City appearance in seven months. Anyway, so, you know, it's outdoor, social distance show, whatever. And I was gathering my things to leave, because it's on the street. Mm -hmm. This girl bumps into me, no mask. I say, oh, excuse me. She goes, eh, what? Uh, and I was like, oh, you should put on a mask. You're in a crowd. And she goes, I work at a hospital. I'm fine. And I was like, wait. Mm, so there's a lot to unpack here. I was like, one, no, you're not immune from viruses because you work at a hospital. Two, what hospital and who's your supervisor? Because I think they should know you're out and about without a mask. Um, and then she turned to her boyfriend and was like, eh, I thought New York was like fun. Uh, so apparently they're in town from Boston. So... Mm. I'm like, don't come. New York is working very hard to get back to work. Don't come into our city 
and like fuck around because you don't want to wear a mask because it's going to mess up your makeup. Bitch, it messes my makeup up too. And I have a lot more on than you. Okay. So <laughs> put on and- a goddamn mask. I want to go back to work. I want my husband to go back to work. I want, I don't want to be performing every seven months. Like I want, you know, I want to do it every day. Yeah. Put your yeah. fucking mask on. So- and look, if they were in from Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts just got added to the quarantine list because their numbers are going up. So. Well, maybe because they have people who work at the hospital. <laughs> Come here. Not just like out and about on 46th Street. Oh my God. I'm going to get like a, a composite sketch of this girl and go to every hospital <laughs> in Boston. And be like, have you seen she her? work here? Is this your employee? I was That's so pissed. I was pissed. My blood boiled. Yeah. yeah. I will say though, like, we went to dinner on 46th Street last night. We went to Joe Allen because they just reopened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it warmed my little heart to see yes. 46th Street because it was like vibrant, but everyone was being safe. It like it just reminded me of like how proud I am of like New York and the work we've done and how much we like care about everyone that lives here. New Yorkers are yes. holding it yep. down. And 46th Street, with the exception of that girl who was visiting with Boston, is very safe, which is why you should come to Don't Tell Mamas this Saturday, <laughs> October 24th, 6.15 seating, 7 p.m. show. So yes, have, uh, your, have your Venmo ready, right? Yes. No, no dollars, but no have dollars. your Venmo I'm ready. I'm not your dirty dollar. Uh, Venmo <laughs> but, uh, I am so proud of this city because we, so first of all, Open Streets is something New York should have done way Long before time ago, pandemic, yes. You yep. know, like, I love seeing... Not just 46th Street, but like, you know, in, in my district where I'm running for city council, you have 105th Street to 110th on Columbus every Saturday and Sunday, completely closed down. So mm-hmm. the restaurants can expand further into the streets. It's you amazing. Have, yep. Yeah, up on, on Broadway in the 140s and 150s, all the restaurants have beautiful dining outside. And it's a great way to not only support local business, but there's a lot of small business, smaller restaurants and bars and cafes that that you may have never noticed before and now you're you're able to see them Mm -hmm. it's to me community building i think it's something that needs to stay i know that they extended it through um uh 2021 but this is something that should always be in our city because with open streets open dining outdoor plans it it uh brings down the usage of cars and promotes an opportunity for our city to build more uh bus lanes, wider bus lanes, more bike lanes and pedestrian walkways. And we can become a city that is a bus and bike city. One that is, that helps our, our carbon footprint. It helps combat climate change at the local level. It promotes local business and it's getting people on mass transit rather than in cars and getting people to exercise on bikes, which is great. So yes. the, the, and to make this fully possible, we need to tax billionaires on the state level and put that money uh partially into making our bus system free so more New Yorkers can get on it. Absolutely. And there it is. And I'm yes. Sold, yes. So that, that was a tie into New York is holding this shit down and we look great with our open streets. But this is like the expansive beyond just like yeah. it, visually it looks great, but there's like a whole system that it can really help our our communities. And I think it's a great way to, uh, you know, so much of the city has been taken over by big box change. And this is a change. And this is a way to to get local businesses more uh, support, which I think is important. I don't want another TGI Fridays. I want a, a, a locally owned business. A hundred percent. I just think that like seeing seeing 46th Street, I mean, it's it's kind of now being what it was kind of always meant to be like this yeah. restaurant mm-hmm. row. Like why, why would we need cars to go through it? Just go down a block and turn around to, to get where you need to go. Like it's, walk. yeah. 
Walk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, I mean, New York is like should be a transit walking city anyway. Like, I don't. You're right. We shouldn't be encouraging more cars in the city. Go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh my God, there's incessant banging in my hallway right now. Um, <laughs> just I don't know what's going on. The store, these walls are very thin. Well, we like to start out each interview by asking our guests what first got them interested in the arts when they were a young person. Oh, oh, this is such a cliche answer. <gasps> Please. Okay, so I, okay, this is so cliche. Uh, my, okay, so my cousin Sophie is like a year younger than me and she lived in North Carolina, but she would come up. So we have, we, our grandmothers were sisters. So what is that? First cousin once removed or whatever. So anyway, so we would, we would always hang out and play, but she would bring this duffel bag full of like costume jewelry and dresses and stuff. And we would always play dress up together. And I loved it. And I was like a drag queen from day one. Uh, like fully loved like playing make believe and putting on these costumes, whatever. So then when I was like five or six years old, we would always put on little skits and stuff for our family, but there's a local community theater, uh, Churchill theater where near where I'm from in the, literally in the middle of a cornfield, this community theater. And they took me for my birthday to a production of Annie. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, I want to be an orphan. And I went home and told <laughs> my mom that. And she was like, fuck off. No, uh, like, <laughs> she was not happy. Like, But I was so captivated by these kids who were like, you know, my age on stage, sit like the, the emotions were so strong that they couldn't discuss it by talking. They had to sing. And then when singing wasn't enough, they had to dance through it. And I was like, oh my God, like you can turn like emotion into mute. Oh my God. Like, and it, I was so mesmerized. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And my aunt lived in Terrytown, New York. So we would come to New York all the time as a kid. And so it like, you know, tied in when I like, you know, was told, oh, that's where like people go to do that, you know? And I was like, oh, that's where I have to live. Um, so that's how I got into to uh, my love of, of theater. And also as a kid watching the Rosie O'Donnell show, uh-huh. I loved watching the Rosie O'Donnell show and seeing all the Broadway guests. And I, it's kind of like a, like a um, full, like I'm very, you know, I, I'm very grateful in my uh drag career that I've had and and uh, you know Elliot you did my show Stage Fright uh, that we had and I was so fortunate to fuse drag and Broadway together through that and so many of the people who I grew up like idolizing on Rosie's show became guests of my show and have become friends of mine and it's just like that 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 like it's a thing that I always tell people who are are going through like a oh what do I do next I'm like listen like you are capable of achieving anything uh and sometimes it will happen overnight and sometimes it will take decades but like don't give up on like your your don't give up on it you know like uh and that's the beauty of like theater and music and art is like even though like there's a broadway shutdown right now and nightclubs aren't open for drag in the way they were like there is a world where it will come back so don't like give up on that vision for yourself and so like i don't know i'm just super grateful i i was i i know rosie uh now and uh name drop uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like i you know that what 
the the you know I'm and I'm really good friends with her brother. He's an assembly member on the Upper West Side, and and we're very close because uh, of like our political lives. But you know, I was really I was really grateful that I was able to like express to Rosie like this is a memory that I have with my grandmother that like you have one of my one of my dearest childhood memories is be shared with my grandmother because of you. Like you did that, you know. And uh, anyway, I love theater a lot. <laughs> That's the point of this is I fucking love theater. And it started with Annie at the Churchill Community Theater in a cornfield. Uh, and here we are. <laughs> it's so funny, like that you were you said you prefaced that it would be a kind of cliche answer. It's not a cliche answer, but it is interesting to see like the like commonalities in like what got people like interested in theater. Well, I feel like Annie is the cliche. I've heard so many like queers be like, I saw Annie. How many <laughs> the rights to that must be very affordable. Oh, Everyone yes. Annie. Yeah. It's Annie. It's Peter Pan. It's like those kind of like moments for people. And then the Rosie show too is mm -hmm. like when people say that, like I kind of like when people say that, it always makes me remember coming home after school and watching it and kind of like subconsciously getting Rosie. You know what I was like, you know, understanding like that that was someone similar to me and it's just interesting that we have that like shared experience a lot of people oh yeah i mean she did like it was incredible how she had this huge like the most popular talk show on tv at the time uh next to, to oprah you know like the the most popular show she was winning Emmys left and right. And she had this platform where she could have easily like not, because a lot of talk shows don't put Broadway on. And she made it a mm -hmm. point. Like I vividly remember seeing Heather Headley singing from uh, Shadowland. And and it was like, oh my, I was like so captivated. And seeing Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner during Sideshow. I was like, like I was so, I, I don't know. There's something so special about theater, and I can't remember the, the actor who like said that the the quote of like when you you when words aren't enough you sing and when singing isn't enough you dance. But like as a kid, that like seeing that and recognizing like oh these women are connected and they're always and they can't be torn apart and the emotions are so strong that they 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 have to sing about it like. I just was like blown away by that. And I wanted that in my life always to be connected to someone else, <laughs> <laughs> to be Alice Ripley. That's yes, what I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> always. I we as kids, we would like get that trunk of clothes out and we would always be making up shit like plays, musicals. And I think that's what a lot of people connect um, as their kids, just like playing um, make believe. And that just like grows into theater and, I, that's how I connected with your story too. So there's that. Whatever. Where are you from? Ohio. So like rural, um, like farmland. So my dad's from Ohio. Oh yeah. What part? Um, well, it's Clinton County. It's a little town called Sabina. It's an hour south of Columbus and an hour north of Cincinnati. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's real small. No, I'm really close to, I'm in Greene County. So that's like nearby. We're, Cause I'm like at the same distance as well. So maybe right. we're like cousins. I, me, Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Those dress up sessions would have been really exactly everything. <laughs> um, when did you when did you you said you started, you know, you were doing drag from day one, but when did you see drag as like 
oh, I could do this and like make money or do it to express my art? Like what was your uh, journey into becoming a drag queen? Sure. Oh my God. Did you just pick up my sniffle on the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear how loud that was? Sorry. <laughs> I'm so distracted because apparently my building is being torn apart yeah. by chainsaws. Uh, oh, so, I hear it um, at all. oh my God. Uh, it's insane. Bang yeah. on the door. It's like in, 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 like I always think of like um, whenever you have to bang on anything, like uh, not that I'm like banging on my walls a lot, but I always think of beaches when Bette Midler's like send up the, the heat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a very New York thing. Um, what did you ask? Oh, drag. Okay. <laughs> um, when did I know drag would make me make? Uh, I accidentally became a drag queen. Like it was not on purpose. I feel like I tell this story all the I'm sorry for any listener who's heard this story before, but fucking deal with it. Uh, <laughs> I um I accidentally oh this so this ties into like uh I always tell people it's important to have goals and visions, but it's also important to know that you need to listen to the cues the universe is giving you because you may have an idea of what you want in your life, but the universe knows there's something else for you and it can be connected to that goal or vision, but pick up on the cues, take, you know, if something keeps like hitting you over the head, you might want to pay attention to it, you know? And so it's okay that the, 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 the dream doesn't look exactly how you first dreamed it. You know, like when I was growing up, I always said, I want to be on Broadway. I want to do that. I want to, you know, whatever, have a Tony, blah, blah, blah. And I, uh, you know, I, at the time when I was going to school, I moved to New York in 2005. And at the time I, I went to AMDA eh, and uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's whatever it, it is, what it is. And any of you go to AMDA? No, Mm-mm. it's a part of your journey. If you like, you learn. Yeah, it's it, part yeah. Of journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now that I like, you know, have a, they want to like, they, they're always calling me. They didn't give a fuck about me when I was there. Um, but anyway, that's how this is about. Uh, we, we, we love, we love, grateful. I had a lot of wonderful teachers there and, and grateful for it. And a lot of friends who I'm still friends with. Anyway, the point is when I was 17 and going to AMDA and right off the farm in New York City in 2005, there wasn't a lot of roles for someone like me. The, the only roles out there were, you know, in the producers or Lacage. And they were for people who were not 17. You know, mm-hmm. you had to be, you know, I'm not a great dancer, so I wouldn't have been a Kajel, but I could play what, you know, the the lead, but not until I was like 50, you know? So there was no roles for someone like me. And I was told that constantly in school. Hmm. Uh, and one of my teachers even said, oh, you'll never make it. You'll just be a drag queen. And the <laughs> idea that a being a drag queen isn't making it now to me is laughable because I, every great success I have in my life is because I do drag and all art is valid. So like Mm -hmm. to kind of like shit on that art form, like now at the time I was like hugely offended because I didn't know any better, you know, but you know, so drag happened accidentally. And I, I did that. There was a show that had opened off Broadway and they were casting replacements and I went in and at my final callback, the writer, uh, the, the the book writer and the 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 uh, score uh, and, and lyricist writer were in there and the director. And they said, um, 
we know the show's already open and it's already been Drama Desk nominated. It's like set, but there's something about you. We want to rewrite this character. Like the show had already been open and they're like, we want to rewrite this character. Uh, it was a BDSM version of Oliver Twist. And they were like, and oh. I went in for Charlie Bates. They said, would you be comfortable if we made this character uh, someone who experiments with gender and drag? Uh, uh, would you be comfortable with that? And and I said, well, yeah, I need the gig. Uh, so I did it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and my boyfriend at the time, you know, was like, oh, this is so fun and like you're obviously like having such a good time with it and then I I got cast in this like indie I don't remember the name of the film but this like indie film where I had to do drag and and so I was like oh this I'm actually having like a lot of fun doing this and so my boyfriend Anthony was like you should like when we go just like he was doing hair um the revival of hair at the time and so he was like we were going to a lot of like parties and events and he's like like put on a heel like who care like throw on like a, a fun scarf or a blouse or whatever. And just like, so I like started just like being like very androgynous and experimental with my clothing. And I had so much fun with it. And it was tapping into the side of me that I kind of suppressed because I was made fun of for it as a kid. And, and, uh, and it like came alive again. And then we ended up breaking up and I was like, I still want to experiment with this, whatever. So I had this birthday party at this bar on um, big 27, which is no longer uh, open as a little gay bar. But I said, Oh, I want to do, I, I, I said, I want to, I want to do like a big Broadway birthday night. So Lily Cooper and Adam Cantor and Matt Doyle and Frankie Grande uh, performed. And I was like, I'm going to MC that. It was kind of like the original stage fright, the show that, that you mm-hmm. did Elliot. And I was like, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to MC this thing. And it was like in drag. And I was the most busted, like my make no wig, crooked lashes, no like just the most atrocious looking drag ever. Like this was before YouTube tutorials and girls would come out. Like today Queens look like fucking runway ready right mm-hmm. out the gate in my day. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so the bar manager was like, you're really funny. Do you want to have a weekly show? And it does not happen. Like that is not how this business works ever but i said well sure i need the gig <laughs> so i did it and then three weeks later another bar hired me and then another bar hired me and it and it became my career and you know now over a decade later like here we are but it's like the point of it that's how i got into drag i think that was what your question was it's a very long answer uh but the the point is like don't don't ever limit yourself to what you think your career is supposed to look like. Like there are so many, like, I don't know. I'm a lot of good shit has happened in my life because of drag. And I'm grateful that I, I uh, went to that audition that awakened that in me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I always think it's good for people to hear these stories where, you know, maybe pe- your expectations you're, you're, things don't necessarily meet how you expect things to go in your life, but it ends up being exactly how things are supposed to go. And I mean, you know, look at the time we're in right now when, you know, you could expect a certain thing for your year and then mm-hmm. the world is completely shut down and you just have to kind of roll with it and, um, and just kind of accept things how they are and be game and be open. You know, I think it's important for people to hear that especially in the arts, which are, you know, there's no clear path. There's no like one way to be a successful artist. Yeah. And 
Oh, sorry, Caleb. I was just going to say, like, always lead with, like, your genuine self. Like, don't try, like, you're saying pigeonholing yourself into, like, I have to look this way, I have to sound this way. But if you actually enjoy something, lead with that. And then people are going to notice the confidence in you that you're exuding. And then that's what's just going to take off, like what you said. Yeah, I think also, like, you know, success is not, I feel like we, our society puts so much emphasis in monetary, like, money as success and like you can have great success and do really awesome things and make like and i don't know i think what am i trying to say i think we put so much pressure on like the monetary successes of things when it's really like no like for example okay i'll use this as an example he might get mad that i'm using but my, my okay so my husband blake is an incredible musician he's getting his phd from nyu right now he's a viola player he's played in pits on broadway he's done you know he's played at lincoln center played at carnegie hall done with the new york house blah blah blah, blah all this stuff great wonderful very happy for him but he uh and you know he he wrote this classical album and independently produced it no agent no record label put it on iTunes and Spotify. And five months later, he gets like a notification that like something's popping off and he sees it's number one on the classical iTunes chart. It's number 37 on the total iTunes chart and it's number four on Billboard. Like, how did that happen? You know, but he's not like making any money off of this album, you know, because Spotify said right. like yeah. whatever. But like, that's a big deal. Like that is a success. Like that is, he has done incredibly successful things in his career, but sometimes he gets very like, oh, well, I don't know. Like I, I, uh, you know, and it's like, well, babe, like, okay. So a big paycheck didn't come with it. That's fine. Like how many people can say they wrote an album independently and it's on billboard, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's like that, like, like success doesn't have to be money. It's success is like you setting out and doing something that you believe in for your art and just doing it, whether one person listens to it or sees it or like a, a billion, like if you followed through and did it, like that is a success, that is a win, you know? And obviously we want to be like successful in our fields, like, you know, so we can have a living and stuff like that. But like, we need to change our views of what success is mm -hmm. and, and not compare ourselves. To, and I fall into this trap all the time. Like I fell into the whole, you know, oh, another friend's going to Drag Race and I'm not, or what, and that like, oh, you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and I have to like tell myself like, no, there are, this is like, there are other things happening uh, to focus on and like be joyful for my friend's successes and be joyful for my successes. Yeah. You know? I think um, you said like change how we look at success. And I think a lot of that comes from like award shows. I'm saying like, Sorry, Tony's, but like, this is kind of dumb having a, like a partial season Tony Awards. I think it's stupid because we're not giving the full season. It's a, not a like chance to show off. And um, why do we even need to limit it to four? Just like, can we just show off all the shows that are in one season? Um, and we just need to rechange how we look at award shows, I think. It's like a buy-in system anyways, isn't it? With producers? Yeah, well, I think it's like silly, like... Aaron Tibet is the only person nominated yeah. for actor and he could still lose if he doesn't get the votes. Like what yeah. a crapshoot. I, and especially with like Broadway shut down right now, you know, yeah. like theater artists came together 
to the thing that bothers me about the Broadway League. <laughs> we're gonna get really into it. The thing that bothers me about the Broadway League is like we're going through a time in our country. We're going through the greatest, change. the largest change in our country the the the, the 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 protests that have been happening in our country are larger than from the civil rights movement because things have not changed in this country you know for many people and the the black artist community stood up and said there needs to be change in in broadway who's behind the table who's in shows why is representation not like happening um and these shows in the broadway league instead of focusing on that they were like let's put together an award show yeah like focus on the systemic uh racism within the industry and and work to 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 right the wrongs of the past instead of doing it and like i love the it's no shade to the tonys yeah. i love the tonys but there are other things happening right now so what i would have loved from the tonys is if they included all the shows or they just did like special Tonys and then like highlighted performances. I don't know what they could have done, but I think they're, I don't want to take away because I'm, I'm excited for the Tonys, but I also yeah. like feel like there's a, like I want to celebrate the artists who are nominated and celebrate the shows who are nominated. But I also think the Broadway league has real, in addition to the, during the Tonys that maybe they should do like a, a, I don't know, a program to uplift artists who are, yeah, out of work. Yeah, I mean, I out think of work yeah, or, or left out of the dialogue a lot. Yeah, it's a tricky, it's tricky, it's a tricky conversation. I know because it's it feels kind of like oh, this is weird, but also like I mean, a Tony Award nomination is a game changer for the career yeah. of an artist. And you very know, excited yeah. for uh, Tina Turner. Oh, Adrian Warren. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that's the thing yeah, is like, so there's good. so many amazing performances and people that like, you know, should be recognized and that it's, it's a hard balance because I think that like when people are like, this is annoying because it's, then it goes on to the actors and the designers and mm -hmm. the directors and people that are going to be recognized where it really does fall at the top, which is oh, like, yeah, it's yeah, not their fault. Like, yeah. like, let's celebrate them and their achievements. Getting this nomination is a big deal. It Dude. is, yeah. it is what, like, and they all deserve that nomination. Like Aaron deserves it. Adrian deserves it. All the artists deserve that. C Celia from, from, uh, and uh, Laura and Laura from Jagged Little Pill. Like, yeah. I love, like they all deserve this, you know, uh, Ro Robin, Robin fucking, yeah, Robin her. Yeah, uh -huh. and, God, and one of the most incredible like dancers, performers we have on Broadway. Slave play, which, which the was most uh -huh. in history. Yeah. the most in history, a queer black playwright. I mean, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Atu Blackstone Wood, who, who did hair with my ex, who's one of like the hardest working, most incredible people, like people, like I am so excited for them. But in addition to that, like, so the blame is not on them. They are yeah. doing great yeah. work. They are living their dreams. They are, they, they are doing, and we, we need to celebrate this success for them. But at the top, the Broadway league and the producers need to do more than just an award show. They need yeah. to be focusing on, okay, what what is Actors' Equity and SAG doing to work together to put more productions like Diana, yeah. uh, which filmed their Broadway production for Netflix? How can we employ artists during this time in a way that we're working together so musicians, stagehands, wardrobers, actors, you know, there's a whole group of people that are impacted by the shutdown outside of of the people on stage, which are being hugely impacted, but there's a whole industry, hotel workers, mm -hmm. taxi, 
restaurants. You know, there's a whole thing. So this is when we have to hold the Broadway League accountable for what are they doing, but also hold our electeds accountable to say, what are you doing to ensure there's protections in place? Because right now, gig workers are the ones who are struggling the worst. Yep. And gig workers, whether you're a performer or behind the scenes, I met with a, a union worker, a union leader the other day for my campaign, whose union paints theaters. Like that's what they do. And so like, even they are now impacted by by this. So what is our government doing to pr protect us right now? You know, a $1,200 check once is not enough. We don't have the $600 mm -mm. anymore. So most people's unemployment, like health insurance is running out for people because you need weeks of work. And if you don't have them, you don't have health insurance. We're in a pandemic. If you get sick and you have to go to the hospital, and you don't have health insurance because you've been out of work. What do you fucking do? So that's why it is so important to vote early starting on October 24th in New York. And not only for uh, the president, but look at who's running on the state level as well. Because in New York and in many states, there are state elections happening. And in New York state, we need a super majority in the Senate to make uh, uh, it veto proof. Right now we have a majority in the state Senate, but it's not a super majority. So Governor Cuomo, who I don't think is great, um, can veto a lot of the bills that they're putting through. So we need a veto proof majority to get uh, packages passed in our state. So if you are listening to this and you don't live in New York, find out how your state legislative body is governed and see who's on the on the ballot uh, when you go to the polls because this this impacts your community as well. Just because Broadway is in New York doesn't mean there aren't gig workers where you live or restaurants that are hurting where you live or hotel workers hurting where you live. So do your homework and due diligence and find out who every single candidate is and where they stand and how they would vote to protect people through this pandemic. And after the pandemic, you know, one of the things that I've been fighting for with my campaign is we need rent and mortgage cancellation yeah. mm -hmm. uh, during this time. But in addition to that, there needs to be a rent freeze um, for up to two years after the pandemic, this pandemic is going to go on, you know, we're going to be feeling the ramifications of this for a long time. So we need at a minimum, a two year rent freeze where landlords cannot raise your rent for two years. So people can get back on their feet. Um, but these are things that we need to, to fight for. And, and the way to do that is by activating. Yep. Especially locally. And cause it's my understanding because it's in a census year that, um, uh, districts are going to be, you know, redrawn as they often are. And so that affects um, not only who is representing you in your legislature, but also like what what gets um, funding, funding yeah. who is represent. And it's really important um, to vote how you want things to be allocated um, fairly, which is there's one way to vote that it's done fairly. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk some more politics. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back. Now, we want to talk a little bit of politics here. Um, what, what, when, when did you first get, like, so passionate about politics? Like, what kind of, like, first got you excited about uh, being political? So, what got me into politics? Um, it was another one of those, like, universe things. Like, you know, when you keep getting, something keeps presenting itself, pay attention to it, you know? Uh, so, I through drag have been uh my dog is so cute right now on the bed i wish everybody could see what he's doing um <laughs> so uh such a monster i love him okay so uh you know through my drag i got connected with a lot of different you know lgbtqia plus organizations like the ali Fournay center for homeless youth and and hatrick martin institute home of the harvey milk high school and these different places um that i started volunteering with and working with and so i i got into activism in that way. I went to, then, you know, I was going to occupy Wall Street back in the day and, you know, going to DC to march for marriage and with Broadway impact. And, 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 and so that was kind of like my, my dip into it. Um, and then as I started getting more involved with LA Fournay Center, which I'm, I'm super grateful to be on the board of um, directors of now, but uh, learning about like funding and how organizations like that get funding through discretionary budgeting on the city level and state funding and federal funding and and how much that goes into play and how important it is to have that funding which goes back to voting like who here electing you want somebody who's going to fund organizations that help the most marginalized and vulnerable among us right Mm -hmm. uh so so that was like my for your you know dip into it but it was never like a i'm going to be a politician you know, I, after 2016, like a lot of people, I kind of woke up to this like idea of, oh shit, uh, democracy is fragile. Yeah. Like democracy is a very fragile thing. And like our voice matters. And I had this moment, I was on stage one night and I was making fun of like some shit Kellyanne Conway did or something like just ridiculous. And this bar owner, uh, pulled me aside and was like, oh, I hear that banging now. Click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are constructing up in that house. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's all good. It's New York. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's a vibe. Um, so I was on stage and I was like making fun, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the owner pulled me aside after the show and was like, um, I think you're going to alienate straight clientele and you're making me as a voter feel uncomfortable and i was like well did you vote for trump and uh i found out uh that and i said so you're profiting off of queer people while voting for somebody who actively is working to dismantle our rights i quit uh and i quit Mm -hmm. uh and uh it was in that moment that i like as i was literally like i like grabbed my purse and like left and i was like walking away from the bar and I was thinking like like I am wasting this opportunity like for whatever reason the universe has given me a career where I was having six shows a week and I had 
a lot of people following me on social media and I was getting all these opportunities. Uh, but it, it was like, it, it was like in that moment, leaving that bar that night where I was like, wow, I have an opportunity to not only like tell silly jokes about Kelly and Conway or Mike Pence or, you know, Donald Trump, whatever, but I have an opportunity to really like talk about this like stuff in a way that can like help people who might have been uneducated about local politics the way I was, you know? Um, and, and like, I didn't vote in every election before I do now, but before I didn't, uh, because I, I took it for granted and I'm embarrassed of that now, but I took it for granted, like a lot of people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now it's like democracy is fragile. And like, just because you live in a progressive city doesn't mean like shit can't go down. You have to like, look at who you're electing on this city, state and federal level and it was a big wake-up call for me and so then i like got into politics and got super involved like literally like from that moment um and and here we are running for city council yes and you're that that election is in june right of 2021 june of 2021 yeah that's so exciting now what is what do you think is the biggest issue that we're facing as voters right now for November or June? Yeah. For November. Oh man. Um, I mean, I think the biggest issue we're facing is what kind of a country do we want to be? Um, what, what do we fundamentally believe as a country, you know? And I think this country is founded on the principles of bigotry uh, we're a country that's built on stolen land mm-hmm. and we're a country that stole people from their land to build on this stolen land. Um, and then a whole group of people were able to profit off of that and they're still profiting off of it while, uh, other people aren't <laughs> able to, you know, like, uh, slavery has never gone away in the sense that we have a school to prison pipeline that is, is, you know, mass incarcerating people. Um, we have a system that allows police to get away with the murder of black people in just like who sleep in their homes, who are just asleep in their home. We have a system that allows people to get away with that. We have a system that allows somebody like Amy Coney Barrett, who made a ruling as a, federal judge saying that calling somebody the n-word in the workplace does not create a hostile work environment who's now going to be a supreme court justice like our system is doing everything it was designed to do which is to uplift christian straight white men and push everyone else down and so now in november we have an opportunity to say hey our country's history is fucked and our country's history is in the present and Mm -hmm. so we have an opportunity to what kind of a country do we want to be is that what we want to continue to be or do we want to push forward in a way that makes our nation one that's equitable for all people not just a few and and that's what we're voting for because we have one side who's telling us you know that discriminating against others is what we should be doing. And then we have another side that's saying, listen, we need, 
racial justice. We need to fight for black lives and black trans lives. And we need to fight for our indigenous community. And we need to fight for our queer community. And we need to fight for women. And we need to fight for our environment and for jobs and for new jobs that aren't going to exploit or pollute our planet, but mm-hmm. new jobs are going to like make this a place that, that we can have a future. And so that's what's on the, the line. Like, and it seems like a very clear answer to me. It seems very clear. And, and I mean, I think that's the most important thing we're fighting for is like, what are we going to be? Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a cultural um, decision I think that we're facing right now, and I'm really hoping that I can feel proud after November third um, about what Very we all decided. <laughs> I know, which is why it's so 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 important to make your voting plan. Vote early um, if you're voting by mail. Girl, it should it already be sent in. You guys put that in the post box now. now. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Like, go. Girl, do it. Stop listening and go do it. <laughs> but, but listen while you do it. Keep your ear yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we're going to have a cute little fun game. Easy questions, no stress. Are you ready? So we've been talking about it, um, but what's your uh, New York City restaurant that you're supporting throughout the pandemic? You're getting your takeout, you're going there. Harlem Public, which I love. Tater tots are so good. Um, Broadway Pets is a great place. I'm just like naming all the places I go to. Yes, uh, yeah. So now people can like find out where I live. Please don't come to my house. <laughs> I know, um, actually was like, I was figuring it out. I support um, Hand Pulled Noodle, love them. Oh, we get them I like once Hand a week. Noodle. Andrew, yeah. the owner is the sweetest guy. Oh my, and they just opened another location. Um, uh, uh, like I can't remember the address, but it's on Amsterdam. So good. Right. Ellie, who are you supporting during this time? Well, I mean, we went to Joe Allen this week, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I just moved, so we're supporting um, Fine and Dandy down mm-hmm. on 49th Street. I love that store. Yes. We love Fine and Dandy, uh, Pocket Bar, Back Wait, Pocket Bar. Can I tell you a story about Fine and Dandy? Please. Okay, so the viewers can't see, or the listeners can't see this, but this, I'm holding up a little stool, a little footstool, an antique footstool on the camera. And this was at Fine and Dandy's shop. They sell like bow ties and like knickknacks and it's really yeah. cute. But they had this little thing. I wish the listeners could see this little grip. See, it's like grip, little grandma. It's my little footstool. And I said to them, they had it in there. And I said, how much is it? They said, oh, that's not for sale. That's just decoration. I said, no, but I want to buy that. So how much is that? <laughs> and I convinced them to sell me their like decorative footstool uh, because it reminded me of my grandmother's house and I wanted it. So oh now I have it. We talked about this with that crazy girl from Boston, but like, what is your makeup tips with masks? Uh, um, uh, I mean, it's a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just wait. Okay, here's a little tip. I saw Brenda, my girlfriend Brenda Darling, wearing a mask the other day that had a clear. It was like clear, so you could mm-hmm. see the makeup and it didn't like look all smudgy, smudgy. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Clear, if you want to have like a beat face, get a clear mask. Okay, great. Um, yeah. Okay, so rank rank these five Halloween candies from worst to best. Okay, you ready? Okay. We have um, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, Candy Corn, Butterfingers, Twizzlers, and Hershey's Chocolate Bar. <sighs> worst will be Hershey's Chocolate Bar. And then Twizzler. Okay. And then 
Reese's. Uh, peanut, uh, wait, Reese's, Butterfinger, Candy Corn. Candy Corn is number one. Everyone hates I... Candy Corn, but you said specifically, this is not my favorite of these candies. Halloween candy. You mm -hmm. specifically said Halloween candy. If it was just yes. candy, I would rank differently. However, okay. the question stated, Halloween. And candy corn, people shit on candy corn, but I love candy corn with those little pumpkin candies, those little yes. sugar. Yeah. It's just a it's just a ball of sugar shaped like a pumpkin. Yeah. Yep. Love. Um, I was actually gonna talk about that pumpkin candy because I love the pumpkin candy, but also with the um the candy corn, I like to bite off in segments. I go like white, Me too. Yellow, orange, or whatever. I'm so yeah. Yes, me too. I'm not popping that whole thing in my mouth. I do it in sections. Yes, it's great. It's it's how it was intended. That, yes. yes. So I'm, I'm super glad we agree on that. Okay. Babe. Um, so give us your um, favorite wig of all time that you've ever owned, seen. Just it's, shout somebody out on, put them on display, your favorite wig of all time. My favorite wig that I've ever worn of all time is probably my red one, my red Rita Hayworth one that I have now. I love that one. And my favorite wig of all time outside of mine is anything Lady Bunny wears. Mm -hmm. Just huge, just huge. Big volume. <laughs> I feel like it would like hurt your neck and shoulders. Yeah, it might be God. like uh, cotton candy. It might be lightweight, you know, but there's a lot of hairspray, but you know. A lot of hairspray. Yeah. Gotta go to the oh. chiropractor. <laughs> Last thing is, I can't believe this is my job moment you've ever had in your whole career, your whole life. I mean, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give my like top three. Yeah. Can I do that? Because they're yeah. all like from different parts of my... So um, anytime like an idol of mine performed at Stage Fright, like Alice Ripley singing... Sunset Boulevard, or Daphne Rubin Vega singing Mimi from Rent, or Adam Pascal and I join Rent together. And, it, you know, like any like of those moments, like LaShawn singing from the color purple, like that, like those moments were like, I was so, I, I, I have always been so grateful that I, I don't know, that show just meant so much to me. Um, uh, so those moments, um, being the first drag queen in history to do a Q&A with a presidential candidate when Kirsten Gillibrand called me and asked to do that. That was really cool. And then um, talking about dragon politics for Vogue like a week ago. Like that was like, I'm not a fashion girl. And so to be in Vogue was like <laughs> awesome, but to be in Vogue for something that was like, uh, to be in Vogue to talk about like being a non-binary drag queen running for city council is something I never thought would be a sentence in my life and uh super grateful and with that uh thank you so much marty for coming on the show uh we really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us uh where can people find you on social media and where can people um support you in your campaign uh so all my socials uh uh the tweets and the grams and what have you um and TikTok, even though I don't really TikTok. Because um, I'm an adult. No, I'm <laughs> I just don't fucking get it. I, Me either. Um, do you TikTok? 
No. I just downloaded it yesterday and it's funny. I'm enjoying it, but I can't I like make them. I can't. TikToks. I've tried to make TikToks and I'm like, oh my God, I'm 900 years old. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so where can you find me? At Marty G. Cummings. M-A-R-T-I-G-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. My regular website is uh, martygcummings.com. My campaign website for District 7 in Manhattan is martyformanhattan.com. You can sign up to volunteer or donate. If you live in New York City, all contributions are matched by the campaign finance um, system in New York 8 to 1. Uh, so every dollar really makes a difference. And if you live in district seven, I, um, would love to chat with you and hear from you and learn about the issues that are impacting you and your household and your block. So we can best, uh, be of service to you throughout our campaign and also, or when I am hopefully you're elected next year. Uh, but yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, make sure you tune into our live happy hour this Friday, uh, October 23rd at 8 p.m. We're doing a spooky after hours happy hour with uh with friend of the podcast, Jay Armstrong Johnson. He's gonna be coming on to talk about his um show benefiting Broadway Cares, which is happening for Halloween. Uh I'm so- in that. <gasps> Amazing. Oh my god. So we're gonna be chatting with uh chatting with Jay. We're excited, so make sure to tune in uh at bpn.fm slash happy hour. Um, you can uh, find the podcast on social media at Equity One Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Equity One underscore on Twitter. Send us an email at equityonepodcast at gmail.com. And please head on over to iTunes and give us a five star rate and review. It helps other listeners find us as well. Um, Elliot, where can we find you? You can find me at Elliot Maddox on everything and you. Caleb Dickey everywhere. And until next time. Cheers. cheers. Go vote. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.